podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, Edge Rush on ESPN. God, it feels good, producer Ollie, a.k.a. Oliver Thornton, a.k.a. Prop-O. It feels good to be dropping Edge Rush. We are seven days away from the start of the season. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm just incredibly excited, Nat. I can't really go over it. It's not that in your voice. I mean, that's... <laughs> well, that sounds a little bit too mundane. I mean... I am incredibly excited. I am incredibly <laughs> excited. Well, no, but it's it's hard to contain. I mean, the end of the day, I'll be yeah. going through, as you know, reading all my notes. Of course. And where are we out on notes? So, I mean, as long-time listeners to, to the show, long-time Edge Rush aficionados will know. And we are, of course, the show that brings you the edge, hence the title. If you're thinking about wagering on the NFL this season, well, you're in the right place. Ollie is a, just a completely focused individual. And I think you probably picked that up from uh, across the body of work that we do as our producer. He is so dedicated, but not more so than with Edge Rush. We are talking months and months of preparation, pretty much as soon as Tom Brady landed another ring back in February. The ne- very next morning, Propo, you were up to your neck in Xerox paper. <laughs> yep. Don't know what that is, but Stats, yeah. <laughs> graphs, analytics, yeah. the works. And you haven't you haven't let it slide at all, have you? We're talking 18-hour days, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, 100%. 18-hour days. I don't actually earn a living in the off-season whatsoever. I'm just spending 18 hours a day researching the NFL. That's it. Giving us the edge. I love that. Exactly. Well, that is what we're going to get into today with... As I said, a week to the start of the season, we figured we're going to pick a number of teams that are intriguing prospects for various reasons and look at their team total, Mm. the line for the team total, so win totals, and work out if it's going to be higher or lower. What we think for those six, seven, or however many teams we managed to get through in the episode. Plus, we'll look at the season open as well. How about that? So actually preview the Cowboys-Bucks Two, before we get down to business, though, Propo, a couple of things. Have you, hence your nickname, have you watched The Wire since the end of last season? No. Unbelievable. I don't have time. Yeah. Where do you think in my 18 hours of research I have time to watch? The, isn't there like 10 seasons of that show? Yeah, I know your generation. You like have seven things on the go at the same that time. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Why no, you got to no, have full focus on The Wire? But do you know what I have actually yeah. had on the go quite a lot? My exactly. flatmate laughs at me quite a lot because he walks in mm. and I'll be sitting on the sofa. I'll be playing Madden mm. simultaneously to watching... Hard Knocks has been good this year. Yep. I'll give it that. I've enjoyed it. But what I don't think a lot of people realise is that every team mm. in the NFL is pretty much doing their own fly on the wall documentaries and putting them on YouTube. Mm. So everyone's insourcing. And realistically, there's some, the Jets one I've been enthralled by. I've been really intrigued by the Jets one. The Chiefs one's been great. The Browns one's been great. So whilst I've been watching, whilst I've been playing Madden, I've been watching all of these series is, on YouTube is the as well. Issue, though, are they, I haven't haven't really d- deep dived into that, so I must get into that. But uh, the issue with those, are they a little bit sanitized? I mean, I know that the knock on, uh, no pun intended, on hard knocks is that the, the, it's so formulaic now that it's just, we've seen it all, all before. That's the critics that I still, you know, will, will devour it, as I'm sure most of our listeners will, right? But is it, you know, it has some sports fly on the wall documentaries, particularly the football ones that have mirrored the NFL, the American sports ones are just mm-hmm. a little bit dry because they are, uh, because they're 
often have too much editorial control with the club or certainly enough where it's just a little bit anodyne. Are these are YouTube doc- documentaries different? If they're in-house, aren't they a little bit... So what I would say to that is I wouldn't say they're sanitised necessarily, but what they are is verging on propaganda. Like, <laughs> I-, <laughs> I love it. Because... I ended up, I watched the four, I think there's four episodes of the Jets one. And I think I left the last episode thinking. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this Jets team's amazing. Oh, yeah, this Jets team. Wow. So many stories. TJ Mosley's going to have a career year. He's lived in the gym yeah. for the 18 months he hasn't been able to play. Like yeah. TJ Mosley's story is actually really interesting. And one of the best parts about that series. And then I hear Robert Salah going up in his first press conference of the season and saying, we're going to manage expectations. This is going to be a year of development. And I'd be like, they didn't say that in the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Jets are a team. We are going to deep dive a bit later on, have a look at their uh, team title and see if we think they'll go higher or lower or if it's bang on yeah. the button. But we will get down to business and we'll, we'll keep it focused and punchy to hopefully give you a little bit of edge. So why don't we start with the New England Patriots? As I yes. said at the top, team totals, right? So every year the Lions come out, team totals win or loss. And of course, got to remember that 17 game season this year so it's all that's taken me a lot of time to adjust to particularly or not least in relation to this right and uh, overall team totals but let's start with the pats and with the whole cam newton matt jones situation i immediately thought uh, when i saw the news break i immediately thought of the line from the West Wing and Jed Bart, I often go to the West Wing, my favorite show of all time. Almost The Wire is close, but The West Wing and Sopranos too, but The West Wing tops it for me. And Friday Night Lights, honorable mention. Is it possible to be astonished and at the same time not surprised is, is, is a great line for That is a Geo. That does sum it up perfectly. Jed Bart. And that is, yeah. uh, that's how I feel about, about the Cam Newton situation. No, I would completely agree. I think the reason why this has happened, because obviously they signed Cam Newton earlier in the year. They didn't need to do that, but I guess mm, that was... Right before they had the opportunity to get Mac Jones in the draft without having to go up in it as well and trade up in the draft. Yeah. But I don't think anyone really expected Mac Jones to be this good in preseason. I mean, he has had effectively as good a preseason as you can have as a rookie quarterback. And I know it's preseason. I know it's not necessarily against all the starters, but he has looked so perfect for what Belichick wants to do with right. his Patriots offense that I don't think they really had, oh, well, Belichick's always going to do what's best for the team. And I think right now he sees mm. it as Mac Jones being the best option for this team. It is. It's a great point. It, it's fortuitous that I'm reading the the dynasty at the moment, uh, the, the Jeff Benedict book I just mentioned, because, of course, it looks at the, the Belichick and Brady era, right? And Kraft era. Uh, and of course, we've been down this road before. Now, the, the situation is, is fundamentally different from Bledsoe to Brady for, for all kinds of reasons. Cam mm. Newton, much as he has been a great player in the past in the NFL, is not now at the same level that Bledsoe no. was when, when that change happened. Obviously, injury was a, you know, a catalyst in that change as well in this, in this instance, although you might argue Cam Newton has never really recovered from injury and uh, he's not the same player because, because of that. But one of the things that really stood out to me when looking at the, the rationalization of this decision, there is a guy that's featured quite heavily in that part of the book, uh, who was one of Belichick's staff, who sadly passed away incredibly young. He was only in his 40s. Um, Dick Rabine, his name was. And he was the guy who essentially uh, uh, looked at Brady before anyone else, put Brady on the Patriots' radar, and was a was a staunch supporter of 
that Michigan era Brady, obviously when he was in college and then when Brady joined the Patriots as a backup, really, really worked to push him on. He was a significant part of this whole incredible Brady and Patriots story. And he was the guy that was flagging and waving uh, about Brady before anyone else. And Belichick uh, uh, took note, of course, and, and ultimately made the final decision. And one of the things that Belichick keyed in on as Brady was falling down the draft board was he couldn't understand why, but Belichick in particular liked the fact that Brady in his Michigan era was uh, not necessarily prolific and certainly not consistent in the way that other quarterbacks of his class were, but was a big game player and had a big game temperament. And then this was borne out in camp that Brady in his first year in camp was not had the right temper was late at the film room. The latest guy there was just trying to get himself better all the time. And even though he wasn't obviously the finished article, he had all of these attributes that were fundamental to how Bre- uh, Belichick evaluates success and, and, and the kind of player he wants around him. So they must, I think, have had a similar trajectory here. If not, it, I know it's easy and glib to make parallels and, and this is a different era. It's a different team. They're different players. So I'm not saying it's an identical situation, but same thing. If you look at Mac in the national championship game, set records in passing yards and completions, big game player. He might not have been the uh, most highly touted quarterback of this class when everybody thought the 49ers were going to go up and get it at number three. What the hell are they doing? But he is not phased. In fact, can turn it on on the big stage. Those parallels are there. Maybe better raw talent ahead of him in this class, but he's got the right temperament. Clearly, he's shown them something in camp, not just in the preseason games, but in the whole camp that they're like, yeah, no problem at all. And then all. Look at the weapons he's got to play with around him year on year. Aguilar, Hunter Henry's in there, John Smith, Kendrick Bourne. I mean, this is a tasty offense. It is very interesting. I'm, I'm sorry, I was there. I was just losing a little bit just because. Are you are you now directly comparing Matt Jones to Tom Brady? Identical. <laughs> just because he's starting. Just because he's starting. He's he going to win. Brady. He's going to win at least five, possibly more Super Bowls. Right now. That's That's right. Zach Wilson's going to be MVP. I heard that. <laughs> someone, someone dropped that the other day. Zach Wilson. I think he could be MVP. What? Let's I know. It is crazy. Um, yeah, I'm no, excited. But I, but, but it, I think it's the... the the rationalization no, of why true. the Patriots have made this decision now 100%, and what 100%. they're seeing about, because, you know, he was quite a malign figure going into the draft, Mac Jones, right? He was. But, well, is he, is he like the fifth best out of that, of that crew of five? And uh, it, I think, it, I think it's fascinating. They've made the call now because as we're, I'm sure we're going to get onto and you, you know, you know, full well in some of our preseason shows, I've been banging this drum. I was thinking that big on the Patriots. I'm big on the Patriots this year. Uh, and but I is that, think- and are you as big on the Patriots now? Cause I was thinking this whole off season, you have been literally banging the Patriots drum yeah. and with Mac Jones in there, you now heart even higher on them than you were when you thought Cam Newton was going to be the starter week one. It's a good question. I think so. But I'm worried, you know, Gilmore's obviously out for at least six weeks. That That is a problem. But the fact they've retained him, I guess you can offset that over the course of the year if he comes back and he's okay. Look, they've got uh, they've got Van Noy back, Hightower back. Matt Judon is, uh, is a great acquisition, I think. Everyone is heaping praise on Christian Barmore, who is the rookie from Alabama, yeah. Matt Judon himself was, was going on about. So he could have an, a big impact as well. I, yes, I am. And when I look in particular at that line, which is the, you know, the purpose of this particular show, nine and a half, right? The Patriots win loss. I, th- I think they take that. I, I do. I think they're a playoff side. I am not 
sadly, painfully buying the Dolphins and we'll come on to them in a minute. And I know you can flex and I'm keen to hear your thoughts. So you can flex the same principle with the AFC East as you can with the NFC West, maybe not exactly the same, but you know, that they'll take wins off each other and it's a tough old division um, because you know, Zach Wilson's going to be MVP and the Jets, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> the Jets are making the playoffs. Yeah. So, so I get that. I get that, that it's, it's not going to be plain sailing, but yeah, I'm big, I'm big on the Patriots. I look at their schedule. I think 10 wins is, a, is, is a minimum is sensible and attainable. So yeah, I like the over. I like the over as well. I think we're, they will go above nine and a half wins. I think it's largely because it's a rarity that we've ever seen Belichick go into this win now mode. And that's what it really feels like. It really feels like he's gone gone all in this offseason. As you yep. said, the, the defensive additions and the offensive additions both look like they will give Mac Jones and this Patriots team the best opportunity to win his, uh, to win 10 games and make it to the playoffs. I think Belichick is now in that mode of... And I think Belichick, in, in the same way as Brady, is one of those people who's like, I will take whatever motivation I can get Mm. to produce the best out of myself. And I think Belichick now is using the fact that everyone's saying, I mean, wasn't it, who was one of the old Patriots cornerbacks who came out? I can't remember what his name was. One of the former Patriots cornerbacks came out and said, without Tom, Bill's just another coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, exactly. and I just can imagine that Bill just has that like, on nonsense. his wall and wakes up every morning. And I think that with Mac Jones there, who the one thing you can say about all of the college analysts going into the draft was he's probably the most NFL ready. He just looks yeah. like you can slot him into a system. Yeah. And when you've got as regimented system as what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick will implement, yeah. I think that does give him the best possibility for what I think will be a very successful season. Not only because they also have one of the best defensive lines in the division. Mm. in the league sorry not even just the division in the whole league so I think with Shaq Mason and all of the pieces they have there mm. he will have time and there's two things and I think I'll say this probably about 100 times during this podcast because we're going to look at quite a lot of the rookie quarterbacks Yeah, there's two things which rookie quarterbacks needs I think are good offensive lines and good wide receiving calls I don't think their wide receiving call is Amazing. I don't think it's one of the best in the league, but it's good enough. And then having Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry there yeah. as the two tight end matchup, I expect Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick to have a lot of fun with those three working together. The other person that we need to talk about, which I'm not sure if you've seen, is the performances of uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Yes, right. The rookie running back who had finished the preseason with 30 carries, 217 yards, five touchdowns, and he was the rushing yards leader, rushing touchdowns leader, and the leader in yards from scrimmage in the 2021 preseason. How Patriots is that? It, to get it, a rookie in the late round of the draft as a running back and him absolutely steal the show. And him combined with Damian Harris behind yeah. that offensive line, and they're going to set up the games perfectly for Mac Jones then to be able to throw to his weapons. So I agree. I think... In terms of the Patriots, I think they should go above the nine and a half win point. Yeah, I, I that that ground game, and when we talk about the Jags later on, you know, I think that's going to be quite significant there as well, and and equally and conversely with the Dolphins and the lack of a ground game, uh, you know, I, I think that is mm. a really important point to emphasize when you're betting in a, a young and in this case a rookie quarterback. It's a great point, and look, they dealt Sony Michelle for a reason, right? So they obviously feel they like what they've got there. So yeah, okay, we like the over then. We like over nine and a half. Start with a positive on uh, on the yeah. Patriots. Next up, we're looking at the Broncos. So the Broncos win, loss total is eight and a half, it's set at. 
announcing this week, of course, that Teddy's going to start. He's won the quarterback battle against Drew Locke. He's going to start week one. We caught up with our friend Jeff Legwald over the offseason, didn't we? And that is available. Go and search the archive if you're listening to the pod now, whichever podcatcher you are listening to us on. It will be sitting there in the archive of Broncos Deep Dive. Uh, and that's well worth a listen because Jeff is one of the very best in the business and has been covering the Broncos for, for many years and made some great points on that pod. Cortland Sutton back mm-hmm. is significant, A, because he's a great receiver, but also because that will free up Jerry Judy a little bit more. A lot of people were down on Judy last year because of the numbers in comparison to other young receivers in the league and the style of play as well to a degree too, right? Because I think uh, he was a player that everyone expected to hit the ground running and he's such a smart route runner and all of the high praise that he got out of an exceptional draft class, but he was fine. He was all right, but he wasn't lights out. But that was because he was dealing with number one coverage most of the time because Sutton was out. Plus the Broncos were pretty vanilla offensively last season. So Sutton's going to improve the offense. Judy's back and will be better. KJ Hamler as well. There's high hopes if you read a lot of insiders in terms of Broncos camp about him having a really kick on year. An interesting stat all I saw with those two, Judy and Hamler, they were amongst the league leaders in drop percentages like they're both their names appeared really yeah and so if you're glass half full on this where the offense overall is going to be better as i say that the difference in terms of coverage that certainly judy's going to be facing uh, and just the acclimatization to the nfl and (laughs) not having lock (laughs) not not having drew lock yeah uh and yeah and and if you buy into statistically those things a little bit you know how when you look at injuries or penalties, it will level itself out. You know, if you think that that was a statistical anomaly in the sense that it's unlikely they're going to mirror that level of droppage again, then, and Javante Williams, the running back as well, mm-hmm. a lot of praise on mm-hmm. him. So I think there is cause for optimism that this offense is going to be better year on year than, than it was last year. But as we know, and as Jeff Legwell told us, this is a team that's all about the defense. And the thing that is sticking in my mind about our chat with Jeff all is what he said about Pat Sertain. Mm. So he said that Pat Sertain, who is of course the rookie corner they, they drafted is the best player he's seen in camp. <laughs> and this is a guy who's seen champ Bailey in camp. This is a guy who's seen them all. Pat Sertain, he said, he's is, is maybe the most talented player he's seen in camp. You've got Justin Simmons in the mix. They've got, Fuller and Derby, one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Von Miller's back. And I know you're not going to tell Von Miller he's going to have a bad season. Yeah, exactly. Bradley Chubb's a pro bowler. I'm I'm quite up on the Broncos. I honestly think they might have the best secondary in the league. Yeah, right. And I think that they've done incredible work in this offseason to fill the gaps that they really need needed to, which was effectively the secondary and the quarterback. Yeah. And I am someone who personally thinks that Teddy Bridgewater gets a harder time in the NFL than he should do. Yeah. And he's also coming off the best season he had last year. In 15 starts to the Panthers, he completed 69% of his passes, 3,733 yards and 15 touchdowns, which is all career highs. Yeah. And that is with the Panthers team, which wasn't exactly 
one of the best in the league, far from it. With no McCaffrey and, and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So there was a lot more pressure on him without McCaffrey. And then he's coming into this position. He's going to have Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams as his running back duo. He's yeah. going to have a decent offensive line, not the best, but a decent offensive line. And then mm. his wide receiving core, if they do make the pro- progress that people expect the likes of Judy and Cortland Sutton to make, which a lot of people do, mm. then he's going to have arguably a very, very good receiving core in the AFC. And I think that when you take away the errors that Drew Locke consistently made, yes, he every now and then would put off one hell of a performance in the final quarter and be able to string some passes together. But he was so streaky and Mm. so hit or miss that that doesn't really allow, when your strengths are everywhere except for the quarterback, Mm. if your quarterback's basically trying to do everything by himself and he's forcing the issue all the time, that doesn't really allow anyone else to prosper. Whereas I think Bridgewater is the exact person that Mm. will do the job which allows everyone around him to do their job to the best of the ability. If he needs to put on a long drive to get the defense a break, he can do that. Yep. If he needs to string a couple of short passes together, he can do that. I mean, he's got a winning record as a starter at the end of the day. I know he played with a very good team in the Saints, but we've seen players go into get, like, I don't think you'd expect Chad Henney to necessarily have a winning record with the Chiefs, despite closing out the playoff record. Like, I think that people underestimate Teddy Bridgewater yep. as a quarterback. And I think that he will be, I honestly, when they signed him, thought there was no doubt that he would be starting he was start. one. Yeah. But then Jeff Legwald, who knows a lot more about the Broncos than I do, said that it's Drew Locke's position to lose. But at the same time, Nat, I'm not surprised that Drew Locke lost that position. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you 100% on that Teddy narrative. I, short memories, you know, it's the yeah. bait of our generation, right? What have you done for me lately? And we were going into last season with, oh, it's a really intriguing signing, Teddy Bridgewater at the Panthers. And then suddenly, 12 months on, he's, uh, I mean, that's, you know, no wonder the Broncos are trying to trying to get uh, their hands on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's obviously the, well, wait a minute. I mean, anyone want Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, yeah. just, just hold your horses a minute. They're going to give up the house when they've got, anyway. Let's have a look at this this schedule because again, important when we're looking at that uh, eight and a half total. I love it. I love high. it. I yeah, think they. I think they go right? over it. Yeah, I think got, they go over it. They play got, the Raiders twice. They play the Raiders t- twice. Yet yeah, they've got Jacksonville, the Jets. They got Pittsburgh. Come on, the they've Lions. got yeah. They've got the NFC East, right? So they've got Washington, Dallas, Philly, Bengals, Cincinnati. Hate to say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to say it, but yeah. Over eight and a half? I, I, I think so. I think so. I think we, we, like, we like the Broncos. All we right? like the Broncos. We like the Broncos. And uh, we're probably going to introduce when we're starting doing the week one previews, aren't we, now with the Drew Locks of the week? Love it. So do you think that we Drew Lock the Broncos in a complete bout of... Call your just... Jets proper. We've got to look at the other ones first. But they're definitely on the shortlist. I'm with you. They on... definitely are on the shortlist. Although we're very high on both the Broncos and the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to get over that, on yeah. everything. Yeah. I uh, love it. Okay. It's like... Um, I was reading that with Dallas, statistically, the over on Dallas games is like disproportionately high. And, and actually, we'll come to that because I think we're going well, <laughs> to... Yeah. Yeah. I was literally just there. thinking we're that. We're going to go there. Oh, there Everyone go. just yeah. piles Please. in on the over. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Okay, let's go to the, the Saints next, all because I was surprised to see the Saints total at nine. In fact, I'm so surprised I got you to check. <laughs> yeah, check. literally, we've stopped and I've had to check. Stopped that the record nine. to check it. Post breeze. Yeah. Jameis Winston. Yeah. Great upside, high risk factor for reasons that have been talked to death. 
he retrospectively for the majority of his career has been loosey goosey with the ball, right? So the upside is the arm, the deep ball only last season, only 44 pass plays of 20 yards or more for the Saints, which was the lowest in the Peyton Breeze era. So we started the season, everybody going on about Brady can't throw the deep ball and he shut everybody up there. Breeze can't throw the deep ball. Well, that turned out to be the case. Now, <laughs> yeah. We are talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation and a Hall of Famer and a fast release quarterback with so much smarts and accuracy and everything else that, you know, and, and with Peyton behind him as well, that they were still contenders. But there's no doubt that that was a fundamental problem in this era of the NFL, let alone any era of the NFL, for the for the Saints. So you look at the weapons that Winston has. Well, first, the offensive line is one of the best in the business. He has oh, yeah, Alvin sure. Kamara. You were worried about the depth in this receiving core. And obviously, Michael Thomas banged up last year, more of the same this year. At least six games will be out because he's on the pup list now. So mm-hmm. there is a mandatory minimum of games will be out, even if he heals quickly from, from surgery. Right. Um, but it could be done for a good part of the season. So is that where you're concerned that they don't have enough strength in depth and you cannot really replace Michael Thomas easily, but are you worried that there isn't enough around Winston to feel comfortable with this offense? So not only has Drew Brees gone, which is obviously a massive loss considering what he's done for that franchise, but they also lost Emmanuel Sanders and mm-hmm. Jared Cook, mm-hmm. who were second and third in receiving yards for the Saints last year. Now that leaves a receiving core of Adam Troutman at tight end, who I think the jury's out on, to say the least. Um, if the jury knows who Adam Troutman is, that is. <laughs> and then you've got <laughs> and then you've got Marquez Callaway had a strong preseason, a very strong preseason. And so did James Winston, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think that is one opportunity where we could see something flourish in the passing game for the Saints. But when your number one receiver is Traquan Smith, who was their number mm. three realistically last year, mm. and then you've got Deontay Harris as their other starters, that is that is quite rough, Nat. And I know the Winston, they are, but he is behind one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah. So he'll have a lot of time to throw to them. But at the same time, you've got to start questioning whether or not he's going to have the weapons around him to really be able to do that. And I don't know if he does. They... Honestly, I don't know who he'll be throwing to next year that consistently unless they just do Alvin Kamara the whole time. Here's the ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah, here's the ball, Alvin Kamara. Go make something happen until we get Michael Thomas back. Even when Michael Thomas does come back, that relationship seems to be so sour. I don't even know if he's going to want to play for them. Well, I don't think we get a sit out, but I take your point. And it's something that comes up, you know, a lot coming into this season. And look at, say... Xavier and Howard, for example, like it does make, I do think when somebody wants away or isn't settled, but they stay in the same spot, Gilmore, I know he's injured at the moment, but same principle right in, in New England, or at least the speculation that he might be dealt. And then it, you know, then it levels out that you're staying in the same house. What the, you know, they're pros, right? All of these guys are pros. I'm not suggesting that they're, that they'll do anything but give their best, but I just wonder if it has a psychological impact to a degree Mm -hmm. and, and that edge is significant enough to change things especially when you're losing Drew Brees in the locker room as well 
Like, yeah, I can't that... imagine that's going to go down too well. I'm not sure Jameis Winston necessarily has the locker room in the same way Breeze probably did. What do you think of, of, of the patent factor, though? On Yeah, that's the only other thing you're thinking. Not just that... with scheming, but also just how how effective he is with quarterbacks. Because so there's no doubt, and we're not doubting Winston's raw materials, right? He's just, it. if you can phase out, what, even 30% of the turnovers, like a, th- a drop by a third, we're talking about fundamentally different game trajectories, right? Games, if he can t- if he's able to turn it on uh, to the same degree in terms of how prolific he can be in, in terms of production, shaves 30% of the turnovers, then that's a very different proposition. I'm just trying to do the math of that 30-30 Tampa, his last season in Tampa, right? So yeah. if, you, if he's 30-20, right? 30, you, you suddenly, and be interested to go back to some of those games and how many of those games were cost uh, were lost by his turnovers and whether they would have snuck three, four wins in games that were lost because he was so profligate with the ball. I think they will adapt the offense around Winston instead of adapting Winston around the offense. Cause I think that's probably going to be the easier choice when you've got that strong of an offensive line and that incredible running back in Alvin Kamara. Mm. I think probably the best bet is to run the ball as much as you possibly can. And then once you've established the run, look for those deep threats in Callaway and Traquan Smith and where Winston can throw the ball deep. And that's where he is special. But the one thing that just, I keep coming back to James Winston because I've got a friend actually who has heavily backs James Winston to be the MVP at 50 to one because he's so convinced that Peyton's going to have that kind of impact on him and being in that team. But he's the one thing that one, comes, is he? Yeah, it's 50 to one. Yeah, it's 50 to one, which I think is quite tempting when you're playing for Sean Payton and they have a strong, they have a lot of big weapons. If Michael Thomas comes back and he does start playing the way he can for them. <laughs> but the one thing that I'm a bit concerned about, uh, James Winston threw, 30 interceptions for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and went seven and nine. Yeah. Then Tom Brady went and threw 12 interceptions in the same. I know it's Tom Brady and I know they signed Tristan Wirfs to ensure the offensive line, but they still had a very, very good roster when James Winston was playing for them. Yeah. And he just couldn't do much with it, could he? He well, found that, ways to lose games now. But that's my point. If you can phase out that, and, and, and you're not going to phase it all out, but if you can shave it by a certain amount, would their record have been 10 and 6? I, I, I actually yeah, want to go back and look at that. I'm going to look at yeah. it. And see. Uh, uh, okay. Other key thing here when we're talking about nine is, is the schedule uh, once again. And again, some easy games here. Carolina, the Giants, Washington, Atlanta, Philly, Dallas. Mm, okay, well, Dallas, we'll, we'll talk about. That. They'll be dangerous, certainly. The Jets, Carolina again. I mean, Atlanta again. I mean, they've got, obviously, you know, divisionally, they've got a, a better bounce than some. Nine? Yeah. Mm. I'm tempted. I really, when I was doing the research, in the same way as you now, when I first saw nine, I thought, that is very low mm. than New Orleans Saints. But the more I'm looking into it, I don't think they have a lot of depth at corner. Mm. I think it's pretty much Marshall Lattimore and that is it. They have one of the best defensive fronts and one of the best offensive fronts in football. So I think that's where they're going to be able to win games. So that's the bit where I think they can win games, but I'm not sure how important that will be in the big games. As you said, I think they should be able to roll over the bad teams, which there are enough of, but I think in the big games is when I see them struggling. And the other thing is we don't know how long they're going to be away from their home facility because of Hurricane Ida. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, they're practicing in Dallas right now, and we know that can disrupt teams. 
to say the least. I mean, I think that's going to be a question that's hanging over them for quite, we don't know how long in the season. So I just think there's a lot of uncertainty around the Saints. Mm. I'm not, I would say that nine, I think they will be nine and eight. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think they're going to be nine and eight or eight it's and nine. weird, nine and eight, but I'm with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now what's, you know what's going to happen about 27 minutes after we finish recording this? Taysom Hill announced as the uh, New Orleans State starter. <laughs> That's guaranteed going to happen. Yeah, All right, let's talk Jets because we've been riffing on the Jets already. Uh, they are a lot of fun. Uh, not least because they've had 23 wins in five years. Amazing. Right? Sensation. They are. They provide so much entertainment. I love it. At I love so many Jets. levels. But things yeah. are changing. It does feel like, and even you're sold on, on it after the yeah. series. And yeah. Yeah, All in on the Jets obviously changing. I think everybody is surprised at how assured Zach Wilson has looked and with their big... The Disney quarterback, I call him. Why are you calling him the Disney quarterback? Doesn't he look like he should be on the Disney Channel? Doesn't he look like he would play <laughs> sure. a quarterback if, yes, on the Disney Channel? Absolutely. Yeah. And be one of those uh, actors that they hire that they don't even try and mask really bad mechanics. You yeah. Just, just yeah. Try, and, try and do that. Um Yes, it, it's Zach Wilson. It, we've talked about it a lot, haven't we all? The, the, because of the way that the draft played out, you had the whole Rodgers-Packers narrative. You had the 49ers rolling up to three. So who was it going to be? Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, generational, the next Manning, the next Andrew Luck, Lock, Drew Lock type quarterback. Uh, and Zach Wilson, for a number two overall pick, kind of went under the radar. It was, yeah, the Jets are definitely going to take him. And yeah, you know, he's a good player, but no one really talked about him. And we talked about Trey Lance and Matt Jones and everybody else, but no one's really talking about Zach Wilson. Everybody's talking about him now because, and, and, I, and I have genuinely heard people say that he's an MVP candidate. Uh, the brilliant uh, Greeny, who, as you know, I'm a huge fan of, and as a company man, of, of course I am, but I have a huge amount of respect for him. And he's a Jets fan, of course. Greeny's raving about Zach Wilson. You've got a, a receiving core that looks exciting. You know, mm. Corey Davis, they brought in Elijah Moore's the second round receiver, Denzel Mims. Lot of excitement about him. They've got Tevin Coleman at running back who knows the system so well. And it was, uh, uh, you know, a, a not insignificant fact that prior to the injury season he had, he was averaging four yards a carry in a very similar offensive setup. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of optimism offensively for them. Defensively, oh. a little bit less so. Oh, brutal, isn't it? So it is brutal. News that broke uh, today, I think, or certainly the last 24 hours before we started recording this, Bless Austin, wonderful name, Bless Austin, who was one of their starters at corner, been released. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and they haven't even managed to find a find a deal for him, right? Just released. No one's no one's offered anything for him. So they've got a very young and raw secondary, which is a dangerous thing to have very in the dangerous. NFL right now, particularly when you're in the same division as, as Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, Carl uh, Lawson, uh, Jared Davis. Yeah, Bang brutal up. injuries, Bang brutal up. injuries. Because they were going to be the linchpin for that defense as well, and I think losing them really made this. I think that those two injuries, I think, changed the narrative of this Jets team completely from being a team that were potentially going to use this year to see how far they could go with mm. quite a young core with some leaders in there to kind of stabilize it. But I think lo you, losing Lawson and Davis has just made this tip to right off. So six. Right off. What are you saying? Under six. 
I think I might be going under six. I mean, I love I love Zach Wilson. Tony Romo has been quoted thinking that Zach Wilson like is the guy to turn mm. around in, the, in New York, and I would tend to agree with him. I love the offense. I think, although some people are scared that uh, Mackay Beckton might come back too fat, was one of my favorite reports after having one of the strongest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hot day. You might come back too fat for a uh, Mike Lafleur offense, which was one of my favorite articles that I read so far but I think I mean, that's as, line. you know my my couple of weeks in France coming back to the yeah. Galacticos my five-a-side team uh same concerns were, were <laughs> yeah. being sprung around there all as you well know but, uh, <laughs> exactly and after your because he's in he had it, suffered an injury I think in March or something so mm. after your thumb injury did they yes, think that you've uh, given up little, everything little pink, pinky finger yeah actually, sorry like, pinky finger yeah, yeah sorry so that's specific, I'm back right. back in business but thanks for asking <laughs> you lost in the final though didn't you <laughs> don't talk about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's enough of your five side team uh, coverage on this show so far we might as well far too name. much far <laughs> yeah. too much have a spin off show there's a spin off show alright so yeah, we're exactly. going but so basically yeah I think I'm going I think I think they're going to struggle this year. I think they're going to be entertaining. Mm. There, I'm excited. I'm excited to bet the over a lot in the Jets games. That's what mm. I'm saying. Okay. I think yeah, yeah, that's of, a good point. A lot of points. I think, I think be a lot yeah, of points. I like that. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games this year. No, I'm uh, I'm leaning with you on that one as well. Okay, the Packers, uh, their line's ten. So Rogers, that whole soap opera, uh, settled on him staying. Alamba for realistically one more year. That's what we think, right? This yeah. is the last hurrah. And he's coming back to a very good offense. And he had, a, of course, a, a standout year, 48 touchdowns, a completion percentage of over 70. They clearly love this young receiving core and think they're going to move on year on year because they didn't once again in the first round anyway address that. They went with Eric Stokes. They got burnt against uh, the Bucks, but elsewhere, you know, in that position. So they know they, they felt they needed to sort the secondary out. But it's a, Good offense that's going to be pretty much there or thereabouts again, and a defense that's got better. And we're talking under the radar, oh, they're kind of gone under the radar, the Packers. Mm. All everybody's talked about is Aaron Rodgers going to leave. Nobody's really talking about them as contenders. No, they're not. The one thing that I did find um, slightly worrying about the Packers was the offensive line. I think mm. Corey Lindsley is the best center in football, and I think losing him also went under the radar because yeah. I think they actually is a more important position that they could give them credit for. So I think that's my only Great concern. Shout. Yeah, that's my only concern for the Packers. But then apparently, I mean, I haven't, I can't say I've watched every single Packers preseason game, but they also haven't had David Bakhtiari. He's on the PUP list, best mm. left tackle in football. Yeah. So you're thinking alarm bells, alarm bells. They're going to start the season without their two best offensive linemen from last year, which is the crux of their success. But apparently their rookie, their second round pick, Josh Myers, was, has been incredibly good in preseason and looked very, very solid. And their fourth round pick, Royce Newman, is expected to start a guard. And apparently he had an incredible preseason, one of the best preseasons a lineman can have, I read. Mm. So apparently that was the one glaringly glaring issue for the Packers going into the season was the offensive line and the changes on it. Mm. but it doesn't seem like it's necessarily going to be as much of a problem as everyone kind of initially thought. And when you still think they've got Aaron Rodgers, who's as motivated as anyone, I think he knows he's come out and he's utilized this summer to tell everyone how poorly run the organization effectively is from his perspective. Yeah. And basically said, whatever happens from this moment onwards is going to be down to me and Devontae Adams basically yeah. carrying this thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's effectively what he's kind of said. Where is, are you on Rogers? Where are you on the, the you know, the, the Rogers swagger? I mean, it's the kind of swagger which will only ever fly 
when you are the MVP and playing as well as he is. As long as he comes back this season and he plays to the same standard or even if he drops off a tiny bit as he did last year, I'm more than happy for him to act the way he he does. Because you look at Kansas City, they will do whatever Patrick Mahomes says. And it's quite right. Do you know what I mean? Like if you have your quarterback and he's as good as someone like Patrick Mahomes is or Aaron Rodgers is, you do whatever they say the majority of the time within yeah. reason. And yeah, I just yeah. do think that the way that I've seen the Green Bay Packers as an organization act with Aaron Rodgers is a little bit... I, I expect Rodgers is like, I think he deserves to t- throw his toys out the pram a little bit. Yeah. They've got a tough fish schedule, I think. Obviously, Kansas City in they the do. there. San Francisco as well are going to be uh, strong. The Rams, they, you know, they're teed up with the West, which uh, is pretty much the toughest draw you can get in that respect. Cleveland there as well. Chicago. No, it's going to be tough. Also, saying about their offensive line, it's, not it's an easy still. Schedule. It's still a new and young offensive line. I think it's what in the first six weeks, which is without David Bakhtiari, he's on the PUP list. Yeah. They come up against Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, Khalil yeah. Mack and Cam Jordan. So that's really going to test Aaron Rodgers and his ability to make plays out of the pocket. Zoinks Scooby. All right. So a ten what, is, years- what does that mean? What do you mean? Zoink Scooby. You don't know what Zoink Scooby No, what is Zoink Scooby? You've, you must know the cartoon Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but I haven't watched I haven't watched Scooby Doo in a long time. Well, unsurprisingly, neither have I. <laughs> Actually, <that's not laughs> I didn't you're a big fan. I haven't my kids. I watch it every day, religiously. It's <laughs> yeah. series the last twenty years. The Pranos, the West Wings. Yeah, the, that's, um, that's what line from Zoinks. You, I know plenty of our listeners will know that Shaggy from Scooby Doo. Zoinks Scooby. Anyway, uh, I like thanks. your impression though. Thanks. I could do a good Scooby Doo. You want to hear my Scooby Doo? Uh, yeah, do a good Okay, give your give your give your you're going higher or lower. Okay. In, Green Bay Packers. Ten. Oh, actually, I, don't, I think they're going to be on. I think they're going to be on. <laughs> ten. Was that just a grunt? Was that just a grunt? Is that all we're going to get? What would Shaggy say? <laughs> one, nine. <laughs> just, let's get. I love the rest of the calls. We're just going to do as Scooby Doo. Um, I think. Oh God, I, I, I'm really torn. Looking at the, I was going to go over. I, was, I know. I was, so was I. I was going to say they were my Drew Lock as but, well, but, but then I saw the but, schedule and it's yeah. tough. So let's, okay, humor me for 60 seconds. The Saints, Detroit, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, let's say two and two. Cincinnati, Chicago. Well, let's be optimistic. Washington, okay, five Five and two. two. Arizona. Six and two. Kansas City, six, three. Seattle at home. We're going to go, you know. I think at home they beat Seattle. Six, Minnesota, seven and four Rams. I guess it's pretty much on the button. I was about to say, yeah. as they usually are, they're pretty Ten, much on yeah, the button. I don't know. I'd be leaning. Easy. I'd be leaning over just because the it's Rogers, the Rogers, Rogers. Yeah, the Rogers. The Rogers revenge tour. Don't want Scooby Doo. All right, Jacksonville. Here's a question for you. Have you? What's your favorite Urban Meyer headline of the off season? Oh, that's a great question. That I'm giving. Gr- I mean, it's got to be Tim Tebow, doesn't it? It's got to be got to be signing Tim Tebow as a tight end. Uh, it, and I then think- watching Tim Tebow's plays. In preseason, did you watch any of his blocking plays? Unbelievable! Well, I, I, Hilarious! I, everyone was piling on Tebow. I mean, I I am a Tebow apologist. You know, for I mean, one of the most remarkable athletes I've ever seen in the college year, and it's always disappointing because he obviously wants it so badly, right? I know. Tebow's never, never quite managed to, to make it. But I don't know if we'll look back at that at the way that he went into baseball. <laughs> Gave it another shot in his thirties at the NFL, and we should, I think we should look at that with with respect. But yeah, maybe those those clips of him blocking or not amazing really blocking, clips. blocking should should not make the final cut. I, I, what, I like the way you took that 
question and where you went with it. What I meant was literally favorite urban my headline. My favorite was urban renewal. Oh, yeah. I think just, he's just such a controversial head coach that basically anything that is written about him is that too. That's far more interesting, in fact. Although I want to yeah. give props to Ralph Acciano for Urban Renewal. Like Urban that. Renewal is nice. That is nice. Uh, they have got uh, not dissimilar, I think, to the Jets, an interesting offense, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence, with Urban Meyer coming in. Uh, Robinson, TJ Shark, Marvin Jones, they brought in Carlos Hyde. So losing Etienne was rough. I thought that was rough. 44 sacks last year, Oof. and they got the same starters coming back. Yeah, so, yeah. No, the offensive line is not going to be great. It's not going to be great. Can Lawrence overcome that and get him to six and a half wins yeah. or more? You think they can? Yeah. Come on, then. Put the case for the Jags. Um, <laughs> I just purely Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence and his passing attack. I think what you're going to see from the Jacksonville Jaguars this year is you're never going to be able to see, like you never know what team's going to turn up. They're going to be that team. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be games where they really impress you and it looks like, okay, now they're making, they're making momentum. They're looking like the team that they're going to be with Trevor Lawrence on the centre and Urban Meyer's head coach and then the next game get blown out by the Jets. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to be the kind of team <laughs> yeah. that we're going to witness and people are going to be... It's going to be hot take central. Boom or bust. Yeah. yeah, boom or bust around the Jaguars the whole time. But what I do really like is Trevor Lawrence's ability to navigate the offence and his receiving core and also James Robinson. Like, I think, as you said, they had a bad offensive line, but it was quite bad passing pass-blocking team, but it wasn't the worst run-blocking team. Mm -hmm. And they allowed James Robinson and Carlos Hyde to establish a ground game and give Trevor Lawrence some room to kind of make plays if they establish the play action. I mean, I don't know, as Mike Carlson tells you, to explain much better, like who knows what kind of um, system they're going to run with this team. Like, I think it's going to be interesting to say the least. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So I think, but at the end of the day, I think they've got enough weapons on offense in DJ Shark, in Chenault Jr., in Marvin Jones, in Chenault, Chenault. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think that actually is quite an under-the-radar mm. good receiving call. Yeah, I so I'm actually, and with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, we know he can make plays. We know he's athletic if it breaks down. And I think seven wins, I mean, what, seven and ten? I don't think that's unrealistic for the Jags. I think that's probably about on the money. I think they can win seven games. They'll beat a well, team. Divisionally as well, expect. like what's happening yeah. in the division. Exactly, yeah. You know, encouraging because Houston would be, you know, shocking and, and the cost certainly seem a mess at the moment. Uh, we, yeah, I, I'm really interested in, in seeing how quickly Trevor Lawrence starts to roll because we know rookie quarterbacks in season one uh, are not going to be lights out, but I wonder if he is going to be an outlier or at least close to an outlier of just turning it on. I love his uh, mindset as well. That that article that or the comments he made, the interview in sports illustrated that was so ridiculously jumped on by people uh, that came out in the spring that, well, if it doesn't seem like football's his, you got to live, breathe and bleed it at 24 seven. And he thought his quote was along the, I'm paraphrasing it, but you know, uh, there are other things in my life, you know, I, that's a healthy thing. It's mm. ridiculous that that has been particularly given what we've seen already from him that has been jumped on that. Does he really got the fight? I heard the same argument made about uh, Zach Wilson and the principle that you can't be a successful NFL athlete if you come from a fairly comfortable background. Just 
really patronizing argument that you know you and it's the same thing with trevor lawrence because he's not this prototypical cliched at all you know i mean that that you know he has other interests i think if anything that makes me more confident that he's got a, a balanced mind that can deal with what it takes to be a, a professional athlete in 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 the year 2021 with all the scrutiny he just seems very comfortable in his own skin and i think that maturity is gonna gonna serve him well so i'm excited about the jags Six and a half is attainable for they'll sure. Be so, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll be, be fun. fun. So will the Rams. They're 10 and a half, the Rams. Uh, of course, it is all in seemingly for LA, right? The, the Stafford deal, the, even the Sony Michelle deal, right? Uh, and, and this offense is going to be exciting to watch. Stafford's going to air it out. They were maybe not as bad in that respect as people are suggesting under... Uh, or with Jared Goff under center, uh, 6.8 yards per pass play they ranked last year. So that was 19. So below uh, the median, but... Just a stupid amount of play action. Uh, Absurd amount of play action. Again, I love the receiving call. Woods, you know, a huge fan of... Van Jefferson should be good this year. Van Jefferson, yeah. I'm going to be looking at Van Jefferson in my fantasy. Deshaun Jackson, how exciting is that if he stays fit? Love that. Yeah, that. that will be so much fun clearly the heavyweight talents defensively as well. You've got, you talk about the best secondary in the NFL, certainly the best corner tandem you could argue is, is Jalen and Darius Williams. I mean, they led the league in passing yards and, and touchdowns. Brock is going and we joked about Brock is ending up yeah, with, yeah. with golf is one of our favorite offseason stories. Brock is going, I think is a blow, um, but I like their schedule. I think they can be six and three by the bye week. So I think 11 is doable. So I'm going over on the Rams. I like 11. So my only issue with the Rams is basically, I think their defense is actually, I think they were buying away the best defense in the league last year, but I think they're going to get worse this year as a, mm. as a defensive unit because they lost Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator to Huge. the Chargers. I think that's a massive loss. Well, on and- that, just quickly, just to, just to, just to plug Ollie Connolly on our show in the off season, go and check out Ollie's guest spot because he was brilliant on a number of different things, including Brandon Staley. So go and listen to why he thinks Brandon Staley is going to be a brilliant head coach. That's back in the archive. Sorry, yeah. No, no, don't worry. And then the other thing is they lost Troy Hill, the corner, and John Johnson, who's one of the best safeties in the league. So yeah, I think those right. two are mass. Those three as a as an entity are massive losses, which I think will see the defense regress this year. Okay, but the question for me ultimately becomes if Matthew Stafford improves the offense enough under McVeigh enough, yeah, enough to be able to basically outweigh that. That is basically what I'm looking at. I think I think it's going to be a case where I don't think the defense will be the best. I think it'll be a top five probably. So it's going to be very very good. I don't think it's going to be the best anymore, but I think the offense will jump up enough, even yeah. without Cam Akers. I think their offensive line is very, very strong. And I think they can, they've can. they really gone all in. They've really gone all in and it's win now. Yeah. And I think, I'm not sure everyone's saying Stafford with McVeigh is going to equal McVeigh having the best offense in the league once again. I'm not sure if I'm that high on it because Stafford still does have those kind of brain fart plays, I always think, that mean that they're not necessarily he's not necessarily a Rogers. He's not necessarily a Mahomes. Yeah, he's, in not, that in, he's not in that league. Or- no, he's not in that league, but at the same time, he's still very, very good. And when the system breaks down, which was the issue for Jared Goff, 
Stafford will be able to make plays. Plan B, Stafford will be able to make plays. So I am very excited. I'm also, just because they win now, and I think they're really going to go out and make a statement this year, despite how tough the division is, they've got a relatively difficult schedule. I still think they're going to go out and they're again going to be must-watch TV this whole season. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're right. Of course, the division is complicated. You could make a case for any one of those four teams, Arizona being the least likely, but any one of the four teams to to mount a bid for the, for the division. So it, it's an issue, of course, when you're looking at an over and a total line. But I I like it. I like it. I think, I think McVeigh and Stafford are going to go off. Uh, and I think there is enough. Great points you made, though, on, on, on the defense. But I still think there's enough there for them uh, to contend. All right. Um, quickly, one more. We'll get one more in. Let's go Dolphins. Dolphins nine and a half. Mm, I, yeah, so I, I just wanted to ask you this because going back to my original point earlier in mm, the show, there's two things that you need for a young quarterback to succeed, I think, in this league, and especially one with the amount of talent that we know Tua had when he was playing at Alabama. A great uh, receiving call. Mm-hmm. He undoubtedly has that now. Will Fuller, a Jalen Waddle, yeah, this is Devontae where... Parker, Mike Gesicki. I think though, I think that's a very, very good receiving call. The one area where I think they haven't done anything, the ground, I'm a, yeah, I'm alarmed by the offensive line. Yeah, well, and put those points together, right? So, three point nine yards a carry. That was one of the worst in the NFL last season, and that was a combination of the line and. The, and the running back core, right? I have you guys had a running game since JJ? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and what was that? That was like five hours of school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! Next time we interview JJ, let's make that point. Make that point. <laughs> make that point to him. I look. You know, I'm big on Gasicki. Obviously, Parker's a heavyweight. I like Will Fuller if he can stay fit. Yeah, I still don't think it's not like you know bringing Fuller, and you could argue well Parker is is this role, but it's not like D Hop with Kyler or Diggs for Allen, right? I don't think it's a you know I don't think it is. It's a good receiving core, and Jalen Waddle is everybody's raving about the X factor there. So yeah, I think it could, it's it's a good, it's one of the better receiving calls in the in the league. But the ground game, the line, other side of the ball, kept Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. We're talking strong tag teams. That's got to be, they got to be up there uh, uh, and, and necessary. But nine and a half feels high to me. I, and tour is, is of course the main point of contention. I'm not as down on him as a number of people seem to be. If we refer back to the absurdity of if you haven't blown the doors off in the first five or six games of your NFL career, then you're a bust. Having said that, the jury is, is clearly still out. And, and I mean that in the purest sense of the phrase that we just don't know yet what, what we've got with Tua. And it, and crucially, I think in this particular situation as well, right? Situation is so significant to a young quarterback and we don't know whether this is the right fit at the right time. Uh, I, I do maintain, and, I, and we've had guys on our show all that have put forward the opposite argument that two are so strong-minded and Flores knows his own mind and he's a great communicator. So it won't have affected him, but I didn't like that whole let's bring Fitz into pinch hit last season. I just, for a young quarterback, I think that inevitably will play on your mind, whatever game face you're showing, however tough you are mentally, it's going to play on your mind. You're going to be thinking, well, I can't close, you know, I can't close 
don't think I can close. What is it about me? What am I doing? You know, so I don't think that was the smartest play in handling a young quarterback. And I don't think I'd feel confident with taking any action here because two is such an unknown quantity still. I am leaning towards the Dolphins going under. I am not co- that confident about this season because I think, the, as we said earlier, the Patriots are going to be much stronger and the Bills quite clearly are the favourites for the division. Zach Wilson's MVP. And Zach Wilson's <laughs> MVP. So nine and a half. Oh, I, you know, if the Dolphins are eight and eight, Oh, nine and nine. <laughs> I'm going to get used to that. Nine and nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine and nine. I wouldn't surprise me. So nine and eight. Nine and eight. <laughs> nine and nine. Jeez, nine and ten. We're getting close to the season. You can surely you can get the one numbers. game. Yeah. Get nine and eight. Oh, we, no, look, what the hell is Jeff Fisher thinking right now that no one's going to finish um, a 500? All right. I am leaning under, but I feel strongly about it. Uh, do you know why I'm leaning over? Tell me. Schedule is really easy. Outside of their division, I think they'll beat the Jets twice. I think they'll have at least one win against the Bills and the Pats. Not both really? of them. Between, yeah. I think, one of four. Well, they, yeah. So that's three games. Well I think they'll the beat Pats the Jets both yeah. ways because of their yeah. defense is strong enough. And I think their receiving core is good enough also to to win games against a team like the Jets, especially that secondary for the Jets. And then outside of the division, they face the Jags, the Giants, the Texans, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Panthers. Mm. They have an easy schedule. I like what they did in the draft. Mm. I think that as much as what you said is true, and I also hate the rumours with Deshaun Watson and the fact that there's yeah. probably no smoke without fire. I know Flores came out apparently in camp and pretty surely said told, that Tua is our guy. Started, yeah, yeah, told them that it's going to be Tua. But regardless, I just don't like it. Uh, um, so I agree with you. I'm not completely sold on Tua yet. I'm intrigued to see how he does this season. But there's one other reason that I'm going to go with the over for the Dolphins. Mm. Jason Sanders, one hell of a kicker. Mm. 144 points show. last year. Kick yeah, love on the show. Yeah. I know who you're drafting in our, in our, yeah. in first our first round, fledgling, baby. our fledgling <laughs> minister Jason Sanders in the first round. I love that. I uh, the whole vote of confidence from Flores in camp slightly reminded me of when Mike Glennon, big bears signing at the time, oh, yeah, was yeah. their guest at the draft party when they drafted Mitch Trubisky in the, yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. first round. It doesn't mean anything. Um, oh okay. God. All right, uh, we're going to wrap by looking at the first game of the season. Or yeah, the first game of the season that feels good to say, and it's a goodie as well. The Cowboys. I think we've already tipped our hand on this one. The Cowboys heading to Tampa to take on the champs. Zach is back. Zach is back. Zach is back. Zach is back. You can't get Zach Wilson out of your mind now, can you? He's MVP, baby. <laughs> Zach is back. Brady. Oh my, I'm so looking forward. The Bucks are going to tear up the joint this season. Uh, the over on this one is 50.5. Season yeah, it's open. going between 51 and 50.5 from what I've seen. Mm. And the and Bucks I know, have favorites. What are they, touchdown favorites? Yeah, touchdown favorites. The Bucks are touchdown favorites, leaning towards seven, seven and a half. Um, I think that's going to go up and down because of Dak's shoulder. Dak Shoulder is going to play quite a big part in this because I think people are still expecting that he's not going to be 100% fit. I think he'll start, but I'm not sure he's going to be 100% Dak Prescott, as I'm sure you could would expect, considering what the injuries he's come back from this season. But I still think he's going to go out there and want to really, really impress. And yeah, he's the kind of guy, and you've seen it in hard knocks this season, I think. He's the kind of guy who 
is not going to be the person who takes that money and says, well, I've earned it now. That's me yeah. done. Yeah. He's going to be the guy who's going to be like, I need to prove to everyone that I deserve this money and that I am that level of quarterback. The, as so, called in the business, the Albert Hainsworth. <laughs> He's yeah. taking the money and not even remotely resembling the Not even remotely resembling it. And my, actually, one of my best bets from a propo perspective, mm. the lines haven't come out yet on receiving yards, but the one thing that I always like, and we actually said this, one of our most successful parts for the Super Bowl betting mm. was saying that in big situations like this, in situations where you're going to be notoriously uncomfortable you go to what you're most comfortable mm-hmm. and Rob Gronkowski was our best bet in the Super Bowl for him to score a touchdown yeah and I think Dak Prescott's going to go to Amari Cooper yeah. a lot yeah. in this game I think Amari Cooper scores a touchdown and Love I think that. goes over the receiving yards that's my best bet I'm going to take the over purely because um, it's the first game of NFL competitive football that I've seen in what feels like 17 years and I'm not going to stay up till five in the morning hoping that the defence make a play every time. Yeah, you're going to go. Yeah, but at the same time, the Sharps are leading towards the under because it's the first game of the season. The, right. Everyone's right. going to be rusty and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, this Bucks offence is not going to be rusty, is it? Uh, not going to be rusty and not uh, and against this, this Cowboys defence, which is, you know, we didn't deep dive on the Cowboys on this particular show, but... They are unbelievably top heavy, the, uh, much like a number of teams we've talked about today. I think they're going to put up points and they're going to be able to flex, but they have got a raw defense that it's an unknown quantity at best. And the Bucks will be scoring on that defense. You can count it. So if you feel that, that Dak and co are going to step up in prime time and slip into old habits, then yeah, I think the over's healthy as but as you say if the if the sharps are heavily looking at the under think about that for for a very good reason but i am reasonably confident about this one if it's 50 and a half i like that i like the over so yeah in terms of a line do you feel strongly your bucks do you think they cover i think the bucks cover Mm. i do think the bucks cover i'd be surprised if they don't i would be surprised i think that it's one team that is probably going to take a couple of games to really find its identity with Dak at quarterback. I mean, we saw them when they had Dak at quarterback last (coughs) last season. They were just, uh, they were a mess to a certain extent because they would put up 35 points. Dak would be incredible and then they would concede like 40 points. And I think there is an argument to say that that might be quite similar this year, except you won't have Dak Prescott back at full fitness and back at game ready for about a couple of weeks. So I just think that in terms of a spectacle, it's going to be incredible. But Mm. I think you'll look at a fourth quarter and I think you'll see Tom Brady, if he needs to put up two touchdowns without blinking. Fitness-ometer. Saquon versus Dak percentage wise who's fitter at the moment you go, I think Dak's fitter than Saquon isn't he I think Saquon's a little bit 81 to 77 80, is that what you're going to go is that the official I'm go, I'm, uh, that's the official that's the Can ESPN, we get a shaggy ESPN right? like, <laughs> what's the percentage the win probability is back I can't wait for it. <laughs> yeah. in-game win yeah. probability I, that's my favourite thing about the NFL um, alright great stuff oh it's great it is great to be back. Great, great to be to talking be about this. I thoroughly enjoyed the last hour. Uh, and there was a lot of stuff that we didn't even get close no, to. Close, that, yeah. That's always the way with us. But we are rolling edge rush all through the season. Every week we'll be dropping Saturday mornings into your podcatcher of choice, getting you set for that weekend's action. So every Saturday morning, make sure you check us out. If you're fancying uh, taking some action, and even if you're not, just for the ride, for the chats, hopefully you found out on today's show, if this is the first time you've checked out Edge Rush. We talk about the games, we talk about the issues, we talk about Scooby-Doo, we cover all the important <laughs> yeah. things that you need to know about. So plenty, hopefully, of intel and insight uh, and just NFL chat alongside 
uh, the edge of the action. Great to see you, man. Uh, incidentally, lots of shows coming your way, of course, uh, because the season is upon us. We're going to be dropping the show three times a week, uh, and that all kicks off next week. Some great A-list Pro Bowl guests coming your way. All pro lineup all through the season. You can expect all of your favorites and some uh, very special guests and surprises as well this season. So we are rolling. We cannot wait. And we thank you very much for your support. If you haven't already, head on over to the podcast you're listening to and subscribe. That way you won't miss any of those episodes and the social channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. As I mentioned before, a lot of extra stuff goes out on there. Some good chat as well. And loving the interaction from our listeners, followers on social. So thank you for that. All right. Oh, I will see you next week. Take care of yourself. Follow Baseball Nuts. Join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia. But we also have David Langell who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Podcast Network.